Seed, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I am Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hello! Also joining us is our musical newbie, Matt. Howdy, folk! (laughs) And on this week's episode, we are covering Miss Saigon. Yes. So, Miss Saigon is by Claude Michel Schomburg, Alan Boublil, and Richard Maltby Jr., it is based on Puccini's 1904 opera, Madame Butterfly, which was a tragic tale of a romance between an American lieutenant and a Japanese geisha. The musical was inspired by a photo that Schoenberg saw in a magazine featuring a Vietnamese mother leaving her child at the gate to board a plane headed for the U.S. so that the father, who was in the U.S., could provide a better life for the child. Aww. Schoenberg considered this mother's actions, quote, the ultimate sacrifice, which is the central idea in Miss Saigon. (laughs) Prepare for the sadness. Yes. So uh, Miss Saigon moves that romance plot to 1970s Saigon during the Vietnam War with a United States Marine and a 17-year-old South Vietnamese girl. And if you don't already know things about the show, or if you can't tell already, this is Major Sad Boy Hours. Oh. Just a warning. Prepare the feels. Prepare yourself. For, as Matt called it, a feels trip. (laughs) That was a good one. So yeah, so this was Schoenberg and Bouvelier's second major success, following Les Mis in 1985. As of 2019, Miss Saigon is Broadway's 13th longest-running show. Wow. Yeah. The musical premiered at the Theatre Royal in London in September 1989 and closed 10 years and 4,264 performances later in October 1999. Yeah. Nice. Wow. The original cast featured Leah Salonga as Kim, who you might know as the singing voice of Disney's Jasmine and Mulan. The engineer was played by Jonathan Price, a name we didn't initially recognize, but when researching, this is Governor Swan from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Weird. And then also for your Game of Thrones fans, he's also the High Sparrow. Wow. And a bunch of other stuff, of course. Mm-hmm. So both Leah and Jonathan won a Laurence Olivier Award, a Drama Desk Award, and a Tony Award for their performance. Super cool. It opened on Broadway in April 1991 with a record advance of over $39 million. Yeah. Nice. After another 10 years and 4,092 performances, this show closed on January 2001. There was a 2014 West End revival. This set a world record for opening day ticket sales with over 4 million pounds reported. Woo! Mm-hmm. Dang. This show ran from May 2014 to February 2016 with 760 performances. This show was the debut for Eva Noblezada, who played Kim and who we've also seen in Hadestown. She is amazing. She's awesome! Woo! There are several soundtracks out there, and all of them are actually slightly different with the with the lines and things like that, so you'll notice that if you go looking for them. But we are going to be working on the 2014 one called The Definitive Live Recording, which is going to be on our Spotify as usual, which will be linked in the show notes. So on September 22nd, 2014, there was a special 25th anniversary gala performance held featuring the 2014 cast as well as much of the 1989 cast joining for a special finale. Mm -hmm. The show moved back to Broadway in March 2017 and ran through January 2018. Much of the 2014 cast reprised their roles. Miss Saigon has been performed all around the world, including Stuttgart, The Hague, and Toronto, as well as Australia, Norway, and many more. In several places, new theaters were designed specifically to house this show. Overall, Miss Saigon has been performed in 25 countries, 246 cities, and in 12 different languages. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. 
So there have been several other tours across the UK and the US as well. I did see this one a couple years ago here at the Fabulous Fox in St. Louis, and it was amazing. Great performance. Hey. This is the show that pretty famously does have a helicopter on stage at one point. So if you can imagine uh-huh. that, it's uh, pretty intense. It's huge and it's loud and it's just it's incredible showmanship. Like, just wow. So powerful. Wow. It, it's just wow. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> and you can find clips of that scene like on YouTube if you're not familiar with it. So look it up. There have been talks over the years of a film adaptation, but so far nothing has come of it. So who knows? However, there also have been some controversies over this show. I'm sure that's not a surprise. And we do need to talk about them because it's important to be critical of the media you partake in. So yeah, here's some of that. So there's been criticism over its portrayal of Asians and women in general. The show has also featured several white actors, specifically Jonathan Price at the time, that wear eye prostheses and bronzing cream to make them appear Asian. Oh. Mm-hmm. This is a major affront to the Asian community, obviously, and was called out as such by the actor's equity. They actually banned Price from the role. Oh. However, many argued back against this, citing artistic integrity and freedom. The producer even threatened to cancel the show. So after a lot of pressure, the actor's equity reversed its decision and allowed the show to go on at the time with Price in his lead role. Yeah. Interesting. The show did have a large, well-publicized international search for an Asian actress to play Kim, but this wasn't done for some of the other roles, like uh, the main male roles of the engineer or Tui. So why just Kim, you know? Right. Hmm. Since, however, the producers have changed their approach and started focusing on actors of Asian heritage, but, you know, too late, right? Yeah. (laughs) In general, however, the show has been considered sexist and misogynistic as well as racist and overly stereotypical of Asian Americans. I'm sure no one's surprised by this. (laughs) Per scholar Wong Yushin, The show promotes and normalizes the image of Asia serving as a low-budget whorehouse for the West, Ah. when in fact this was not the norm, but was actually an unfortunate circumstance of the Vietnam War. Scholar Karen Shimakawa argues that Chris sees his and Kim's wedding as a spectacle, while Kim sees it as a binding commitment, and Chris's marriage to Kim versus his marriage to Ellen show assumed supremacy of American law over Vietnamese law, as if Vietnam were just a place for Americans to enjoy enjoy rather than like its own country Jeez. also apparently the supposedly vietnamese lyrics in the wedding sound were once just random sounds oh oh they were just like phonetically based on like conversations that they'd had with vietnamese people and they just like made Mm. them up oh and it wasn't until later in the production that they actually redid the lyrics to make them accurate (laughs) good lord yeah (laughs) rough great Nancy View of Freedom Inc. stated that if you are a white woman, you should be outraged because this play pits white women against Asian women. We should, ought to be working together. Fair. The portrayal of women as well. The entire beginning here features women being treated like objects. It's like seriously raunchy on stage as the soldiers rough them up and have their way with them. So that's cool. Uh. And then there's the one soldier, the quote unquote good guy, who sees this virginal 17 year old, buys her has sex with her, and, like, thinks he's doing the right thing. And the show makes it seem like it's all okay because they end up in love. And so we get this, like, white savior narrative. Not. Um, yeah. 
And so even though our main character is a woman of color, she's just so incredibly beaten down and tortured and selfless that it's smothering to watch. And she doesn't even get any justice in the end. Yikes. So, yeah, uh, while people behind and in the show have made steps towards recognizing these issues and others, and even though the show has boosted up a lot of Asian actors into other theater roles, because that is a good thing, it gives them some good roles, I guess, the fight still isn't over because the show itself is still problematic. For heavily featuring Asian characters, none of them are portrayed in a positive light. There are actually still protests about their performances, and so I do strongly recommend... You know, listeners, look into this further yourselves if you're interested. There are plenty of resources covering this. This is just a, you know, bit of an explanation as to what's out there. So, yes, this show is toxic, and we recognize that. Like I said, I've seen it, and it was great as far as a theater performance, but also I do recognize that it's not super great as far as, like, a Broadway show, like, such a famous and, like, overproduced show yeah, to still be so problematic. Yeah. Like and it's just continued to be problematic. And so obviously we are covering it because it's popular. It has fantastic stage presence. It's got pretty good music. But it is still important to call out these issues because we don't condone them. Yeah, and we've, we've mentioned that in shows in the past, you know, that have had issues because they were older and they were written in a different time. So we, we always like to point that out. So again, judge it how you will, but this is like, this is what's going on with the show. Yeah. So just so you guys know and can make your own educated decisions based on that. But with that little bit of information out of the way, we're ready to jump into this show. And also probably a show that would get a mama warning. She has seen it. I'm sure, I'm, yeah, I'm sure she's familiar with it, but just in like terms of the general content, it might. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's a bit rough, I would say. So again, like viewer discretion, I yeah. guess. You guys ready for this? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, ready for this ad I don't hours. know if I am mentally prepared, but I will try. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, it is April 1975, and we are at Dreamland, a bar and brothel in Saigon. Ooh. It is near the end of the Vietnam War. Okay. So we meet Kim, a virginal 17-year-old peasant girl who's dragged in by the engineer, who's the French-Vietnamese pimp who runs the place. Backstage, the other girls prepare for the night show and laugh off Kim's inexperience in the song Overture slash Backstage Dreamland. Then we see several U.S. Marines. They are preparing to leave Vietnam soon, and so they are going to party it up with their last few nights uh, with these sex workers here. In the song The Heat is On in Saigon. Mm. (laughs) Also during that song, we meet Chris Scott, a sergeant who seems uninterested in the whole club scene. He's, like, too good for that, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. The good boy. Yeah, he's the quote-unquote good boy. But his friend, John Thomas, encourages him to get with a girl. Meanwhile, the girls are competing for the title of Miss Saigon, and their winner will be raffled off to a Marine. Gross. In the crowd, Chris sees Kim and is enchanted by her innocence. Also gross. (laughs) That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't sound good. No. Yeah, it's not like, oh, love at first sight. It's like, ah, virgin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so the Miss Saigon winner ends up being Gigi Von Tran. She begs her Marine to take her back to America, which annoys him. And the showgirls reflect on their dreams of a better life in the song Movie in the Mind. John buys Kim and a room for Chris, encouraging his friend to go for it. The engineer also encourages this. I wonder why. Then Chris and Kim officially meet in the song The Transaction. Kim is, of course, reluctant, but she dances with Chris. Chris really likes her and tries to pay her to leave the nightclub with him. 
The engineer interferes, worried that Chris doesn't actually like him and doesn't want to have his way with her, as that is what she yep. is there for. So uh, Chris allows himself to be led to the room with her in the song The Dance. They spend the night together in the biblical sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> Afterwards, she falls asleep and he watches her. Gross. He asks God why this had to happen now. Why did he have to meet this great girl right before he leaves Vietnam in the song Why God Why? Yep. You're like, yeah, he's a he's a great guy and he didn't want to do he it. Did but it he anyway. did it anyway. So. When Kim wakes up, Chris tries to give her money. She refuses, saying that it was her first time and she doesn't feel right taking his money. And then she tells him her story. So she grew up in a small village. She lost her family. Very sad tale. And this is the song, This Money's Yours. So Chris learns that Kim is an orphan and therefore has nothing holding her there. So he offers to take her to America. And the two fall in love in the song, Sun and Moon. Wow. Chris tells John that he's taking some time off to spend with Kim. John warns him that the Viet Cong will soon take over Vietnam, but agrees to cover for him in the song, The Telephone Song. So Chris meets with the engineer, attempting to buy Kim. But the engineer tries to get an American visa for himself out of the deal. Because why not? All right. Chris refuses and holds the engineer at gunpoint until he honors the arrangement for Kim in the song, The Deal. It's a bold request Mm -hmm. for a soldier. Yeah, it's like, what do you you think he's going to do? Marry you too? Yeah. Like, you can't just get citizenship like that. But the girls hold a wedding ceremony for Chris and Kim. The girls sing in Vietnamese, basically blessing them and wishing them love forever. In the song of the ceremony slash Ju Vu Vai. Gigi even calls Kim the real Miss Saigon. However, Tui, Kim's cousin, whom she has been betrothed to since she was 13, gross, arrives to take her home. He is an officer in the North Vietnamese Army and is, of course, disgusted to find her with this white American soldier. You know, as opposed to, you know, marrying your cousin. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. The two men draw their guns. Kim tells Tui that their betrothal is gone because her parents are dead. She also tells him that she doesn't have any feelings for him, and Tui curses them all and storms out. The song What's This I Find slash Tui's Intervention. You took that well. Chris promises to take Kim with him when he leaves Vietnam, and the two dance. The song Last Night of the World. Three years later, in 1978, a street parade is taking place. Saigon is now Ho Chi Minh City. The city celebrates the unification of Vietnam and defeat of the Americans in the song The Morning of the Dragon. Tui, a commissar in the new communist government, orders his soldiers to look for the engineer. Tui wants the engineer to find Kim and bring her to him. We do learn that Chris and Kim have become separated. R.I.P. Kim is hiding in an impoverished area while steadfastly believing that Chris will come save her. Meanwhile, Chris is in America, in bed with his new wife, Ellen. Wow. (laughs) He wakes from a nightmare, shouting Kim's name. Ellen and Kim sing this song like parallel together and they swear their devotion to chris in the song i still believe uh, rough eventually two soldiers find the engineer he's been going by the name tron von din and working in the rice fields the engineer takes Tui to where kim has been hiding and kim tells them both to leave the engineer and the others leave the room but Tui stays Tui proposes marriage again but kim refuses eventually the engineer comes back in they can all hear soldiers marching outside and Tui calls them in Tui uses them to threaten Kim and then sends them out again. Kim is still not swayed. Good on her. Yeah. She holds fast to her belief that Chris will come save her. The song Cuckoo Princess. But then Kim introduces Tui to Tam, her three-year-old son. From Chris. (gasps) Tui calls Kim a traitor and Tam an enemy. He tries to kill Tam with a knife. Kim shoots Tui, killing him. In the song You Will Not Touch Him. Mm? She made sure of that. Super intense. Bye. (laughs) There's a lot happening here. (laughs) Meanwhile, outside, the festival and partying continues. So Kim flees with Tam, and the soldiers start looking for her. 
Meanwhile, the engineer laments being Vietnamese and wishes to go west to America in the song If You Want to Die in Bed. So Kim admits to the engineer what she did, and he refuses to help her until he learns of Tam's parentage in the song Kim and Engineer slash Let Me See His Western Nose. So he figures that the boys has a chance to emigrate to the U.S. So he pretends to be the boys' uncle and plans to lead them to Bangkok. The three set out on a ship with other refugees. While they're on this ship, Kim sings to her son, telling him that everything will be fine, and that despite everything, she will give him a great life. In the song, I'd give my life for you. And with that, we close Act 1. With a wild Mm -hmm. run. (laughs) Yeah, that was like its own whole story, just in that first act. (laughs) Yeah, that was it. That was the (laughs) show. The end. Unfortunately, not the end. (laughs) Fortunately, not. Oh, wait, there's Uh more. Yeah. There's more. But wait, there's more sadness to come. But yeah, so what do we think about this uh, roller coaster? It sure is. A lot's happening. (laughs) (laughs) It is a roller coaster. And I can definitely, I definitely see where, you know, the problems arise with this show. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, oof. (laughs) But also, like, this stuff was probably happening very frequently around that time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was unfortunately kind of common where, you know... These, you know, white American soldiers would be like, yeah, I'll take you home and get you married if, you know, after we sleep together. And then they just, like, disappear. Mm-hmm. It's like that, yeah, that weird line where it's like, okay, how true do we make it to actual life? Or, you know, do we tone it back just because it's, you know, theater and you can be a little bit different with it? Yeah. yeah. There's a problem with, like, doing, like, historical fiction. Yeah, I really don't think they held much back here. Like, it's really just giving a very not good look at Vietnam and it's obvious to see why people have issues with this because it's not painting them (laughs) in a good light at all and that's terrible. Yeah, rough. It is also like this was very common. We'll see in the next act but there was a whole like organization set up in the US to help soldiers connect with the children that they had with Vietnamese women. And just kind of left them behind. Right. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a whole thing. So, like, this just... The fact that this is actually historical, like, it just hurts. Painful. Mm-hmm. And we have another whole act. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Big oops. But, Kylie, do you have a theater fact for us? I do. Korean theater dates back to as early as 1000 BCE and was originally performed in the courtyards, although it is now moved to stages... Korean theater before the 20th century was more of a performance than a drama. There was no plot and it was all performative presentations, including dance, shaman ritual, and circus. Up until the 19th century, the leading form of Korean public theater was a mask dance. Multiple players wearing masks perform a loosely fixed text through dance, dialogue, and song. Since the performers were able to conceal their identities, many of the plays were satires. They were handed down orally from generation to generation. After Korea opened its doors to foreign countries in the late 19th century, the first modern indoor theater was built in 1902 and newer plays started to come through. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like how we, we talked about with like Egyptian theater, where it was just more very basic, just performance rather than creating new story. Yeah. I like, I like knowing how other cultures theater started. For sure. So I don't have too much promotional stuff for you guys this week, but we do want to always remind you that you can find merch for our show and other shows just like us at www.ragtagnetwork.com merch. 
And if you like us a whole heck of a lot and you want to see more of us, you can find us on Instagram mostly at Save Me an Isle Seat, but we are also on Twitter at Save an Isle Seat and on Facebook at Save Me an Isle Seat. So go check out us there. We're cool. We are super dope. But I believe that will wrap up our intermission part. Are we ready to emigrate into Act 2? Maybe. Just continue the feels trip. <coughs> feels trip. On the feels train. There are no breaks on the feels trip. Oh, no. <laughs> there are none. <laughs> Just constantly downhill. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Starting off in Atlanta, Georgia, where John now works for an aid organization that tries to connect boy doy which are children conceived during the war with their American fathers, in the song Boy Doy. He learns that Kim is still alive and tells Chris, who is relieved to hear this. But then he tells him about Tam. And so he urges Chris and Ellen to go search for Kim and Tam in Bangkok. Chris tells Ellen about Kim and Tam in the song The Revelation. Hmm. Sure that went over well. I bet. Yeah. In Bangkok, the engineer is running another sleazy club with Kim as a dancer in the song What a Waste. What a shock. So Chris, Ellen, and John arrive in Bangkok looking for Kim. John finds Kim at the club and tries to tell Kim that Chris remarried, but Kim interrupts and misses that bit of info. Oops. Oops. So she's just thrilled. She's hoping to unite Tam with his father. And so she still believes that Chris will bring them back to America and just like love her forever and it'll be great. Oops. <laughs> John cannot bring himself to break the news to her, but promises to bring Chris to see her in the song Please Slash Too Much for One Heart. Big oops. <sighs> yep. The engineer tells Kim to go after Chris as he doubts Chris will actually show up in the song Chris is Here. Kim is haunted by the ghost of Tui, who claims that Chris will betray her just like he did before. Kim suffers a flashback in the song Kim's Nightmare slash The Fall of Saigon. In the flashback to 1975, Kim remembers the Viet Cong approaching Saigon. The city fell into chaos and Chris is called away. He leaves his gun with Kim and tells her to pack. After Chris reaches the embassy, the gates close and the immediate evacuation of Americans begins. The ambassador orders that no more Vietnamese are allowed to come in. Kim reaches the gates among a mob of other Vietnamese trying to get in. Chris calls out to Kim and tries to go look for her, but John punches him in the face to stop him. Chris is put into the helicopter and leaves Saigon as Kim watches, still pledging her love to him. And this is, of course, where the famous helicopter scene comes in. Again, I say, if you haven't seen it, watch it on YouTube, because it's intense. It's pretty cool. It's a, yeah, it's a very intense um, special effects. Yeah, for sure. So back in 1978, Kim dresses in her wedding clothes to the song Sun and Moon Reprise and then leaves Tam with the engineer. Mm. She goes to Chris's hotel room where she finds Ellen. Hmm. Oh. So Ellen reveals that she is Chris's wife, leaving Kim unbelieving and heartbroken. Ellen asks if Chris is Tam's father and Kim says he is. Kim says she doesn't want her son to keep living on the streets and begs that the couple take Tam back to America. Ellen refuses, saying that Tam needs his real mother. And Ellen also says that she plans on having her own children with Chris. So, like, why would she take this kid when she can have her own? Uh... Yeah. But Kim is just still unbelieving about this whole thing. And so she demands that Chris tell her this stuff in person and flees the room in the song Room 317. Ellen does feel bad for Kim. And she wonders if she needs to let Chris go so that he can be with Kim and Tam. But she also is determined to keep him as hers in the song Maybe slash Now That I've Seen Her. That is a rough place to mm -hmm. be at for Ellen. Yeah. Yeah, that's awkward all around. Big oops. So Chris and John return, having been unable to find Kim. Ellen tells them that Kim came to her and she told Kim everything. Chris and John blame themselves for being gone. Ellen says that Kim still wants to see Chris and tells him about 
Kim trying to give them her son. John realizes that Kim wants Tam to be an American boy. Ellen, however, leaves an ultimatum. Kim or her? Chris reassures Ellen, and they reaffirm their love for each other. Mm -hmm. Chris and Ellen agree to leave Tam and Kim in Bangkok and support them financially, but John calls them selfish in the song The Confrontation. I'm Mm -hmm. kind of with John. Uh (laughs) Back at the club, Kim lies to the engineer and says that they are going to America in the song Paper Dragons. The engineer imagines a new life in America, a song The American Dream. This sleazebag can go suck an egg. He just wants to be in America. That's all he wants. To open up a brothel in America. And he (laughs) will use anyone to get there. Yep. So, Chris, John, and Ellen find the engineer, and he takes them to see Kim and Tam. Meanwhile, Kim is telling Tam about his father. She tells them that he will be going to America with his dad, but she will not be able to come with him. But she promises that she will always be watching over him. In the song, This is the Hour Reprise slash Little God of My Heart. Chris, John, Ellen, and the engineer arrive. The engineer goes in to get Tam and takes him out to meet his father. Meanwhile, Kim steps behind a curtain and shoots herself. As she falls to the floor, Chris hears the gunshot and rushes into the room. He finds her wounded and holds her, asking what she's done. She just asks him to hold her one more time and repeats what he said to her on the night they met before she dies in his arms in the song finale. And he says, how in one night have we come so far? And that's the end of the show. Good lord. (laughs) Yeah. Bet y'all weren't expecting that. Nope. That's the the one thing I remember about the show is like she, you know, does the ultimate sacrifice thing. It's like, so if she's not around, the father has to take the son back to America kind of thing. So she yeah. makes that decision, you know? Yeah. It's, it's She essentially rough, makes but... the decision for them. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such a moment on stage. Like. Yeah. Because like they're, you know, the kid's all happy and they're like meeting everyone else and here's Kim and she just like. And it's the gun, like... That he had left her? Yeah, from Chris, like, from the beginning of the show. And, like, she just does it. And, like, the whole audience just, like... <gasps> yeah. Yeah, it's super, super painful. Yeah. And we did warn you guys, this was going to be a feel strip. Mm-hmm. From the beginning. I was not ready for it. Nope. <laughs> yeah, so that, everybody, is Miss Saigon. Now that we're all sad and depressed, how do we feel about the show? <laughs> sad and depressed. Fair, 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 fair. Yeah, it's, again, like, a roller coaster the entire time, you know? Like, it's just a lot of mixed emotions between, you know, hope and despair, like, all bundled into Mm -hmm. every scene kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I feel so conflicted about the show because, like, I just, like, I know that it's not the best depiction of this and all that stuff, but it's also super powerful theater in general. And, like, I understand understand why Kim does what she does. Like, she's doing what yeah. whatever it takes to take, you know, take care of her son. So, like, that's just such a powerful sacrifice. But also, like, she shouldn't have had to do it in the first right. place. I just, ugh. Also, like, what's up with Chris getting married, like, within three years? That's what, uh, yeah. What's this boy doing? He just, he got bad memory. And it was the 1970s. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, like, definitely the underlying story is very, very well written and, you know, plays out very beautifully. So, despite all, like, the the racial problems with this show, the story itself is, is very good, you know? Mm-hmm. So, that's why I think it, it continues despite it not portraying Vietnamese culture very well and people very well. It's, it's rough. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This one just, like, puts me in a funk, dude. Yeah. It's kind of it kind of has the same effect of like like Blood Brothers where yeah. you know you're you're constantly hoping for the best for these characters and in the end no one is happy. Yeah. It's like oh 
<laughs> yeah. It's it's very rare when we have an ending like that in our shows. Because a lot of people like prefer happy endings, and that's, you know. Yeah. This one yeah. just pretty punches natural. you in the face. This one, yeah, just was like, ha ha, psych. Mm-hmm. Kicks your legs out from under you. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. That's the show. That's Miss Saigon. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, sad. So crazy. Such zany theater things. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Zany. That's the word I'd use for the show. <laughs> uh-huh. That's a that's a choice. Yep. <laughs> and shameless plug for our merch. If you like our common quote throughout the show, Sad Boy Hours, we do have a t-shirt for that. So We do. Go check that out. Yeah. It's probably one of my favorite pieces. That's <laughs> yeah, a pretty good design. <laughs> you know, I'm just super curious about all you listeners out there. Like, have you seen the show? Did you know about it before this episode? Did you not know? What do you think? How do you feel about it? I'm just really curious on other people's perspectives, like, or if you've been in it, what is that like? I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely reach out to us about this one. This is a very, again, it's a very controversial kind of show. Like it's, again, really good, but also really bad, you know? So let us know your thoughts on it. Again, we we like to let everyone else make their own opinions on it while we hold our own. So, yeah, give us a give us a shout out on that. Mm-hmm. But the music is very powerful. If that's all you have access to, and again, it is linked in our sh- our show notes. As always, we do recommend listening to this one because yes. you do get basically like you, all the emotions. You did like, get a good yeah a good chunk of the story all through the songs. So yeah, that's a good thing about this one. It's like every interaction basically has a song, so that's that's good. But it does make it for a very long soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, prepare for that one. It is it is a long one, but it is well worth the listen, for sure. Does anyone have any final wrap-up notes? Uh, I think we uh, are, are ready to get off the field yep. trip. <laughs> We're already sad. <laughs> All right, yeah, so thanks for listening to this show, you guys. Matt, what should they do now? Well, they should definitely be liking or subscribing to us wherever they're listening to podcasts because this gets them episodes as soon as they're posted and it's just cool heck yeah kylie what else should they be doing well they should go on to apple and make an account and then leave us a five-star review and then of course the next thing you can do is tell everyone about our show so you know your friends your family your co-workers you know anybody that you have acquaintances with i didn't have a good extra additive because the show's too sad yeah, maybe don't start with this no. show, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just, you know, tell them about our show, and if they have seen this show, like, tell them to listen to it, so we can get their opinion about it, stuff like that. It is the best way to help organically grow our audience, so we really appreciate any and all help that you can give us. Yeah. Yee! And, like I said, I really want to know what you think about the show, so please reach out to us. The best way to do that is to email us at seat at gmail.com. Or you can find us all over the internet, as per usual. We're on Twitter at Save and Seat. We're on Facebook at Save Me and Seat. We're on Instagram at Save Me and Seat. And you can find us on YouTube under the Ragtag Network. Whoop, whoop. And if you want to know more about what's going on in our lives and the, the lives of the rest of the podcast on our network, you can go to our website, which is www.ragtagnetwork.com. It's also where you can find our Sad Boy merch and other merch as well. Just add a slash merch onto there. Again, that's www.ragtagnetwork.com. So you can see the other shows that we've got going on and future projects that we've got going. So yeah, just give it a just give it a little look-see. 
But I believe that's all we have for you guys this week. So sorry to leave you on a sad note, but we hope you enjoyed it anyway. But thanks for listening to this episode of Save Me an Owl Seat. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. Just sobbing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Aisle Seat. If you'd like to support us, you can check out our Ko-Fi at www.ko-fi.com slash ragtag network. For more episodes and shows like this, go to our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. This show is brought to you by the Ragtag Network.